Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on the show, we have Jock Brokus. Jock is an evidential medium, author, and founding member of the ASSMPI, which stands for the American Society for Standards in Mediumship and Psychical Investigation. He is also the editor-in-chief of the Other Side Press and the developer of the Afterlife Connect platform. Jock is the author of several books and has appeared on media throughout the world discussing the afterlife and the paranormal. Jock Brokus, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. It's a pleasure to be here, Sandra. It's lovely to meet you, and it's lovely to share with your audience, wherever they may be in the world. Oh, yeah, that's just it. All over the world that we have found out. (laughs) Wow. And I know you are someone who's already brought a smile to my face based on you sending me the picture in the kilt and all your... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a story with that kilt. It was a wedding that I was doing in Florida. And and let me tell you, if anybody's ever worn a Scottish kilt before, it is not a good idea to wear one in Florida in the blistering humidity. Wow. (laughs) Enough said. (laughs) Oh, that's great. It was the fastest service I've ever done in my life. (laughs) Oh, that's super... Were you actually doing the service as the minister? Yes, I, I was a minister and I was marrying a couple. Oh, isn't that a beautiful thing? Well, it's nice to meet you. I've heard your name from many people and I've seen your books and uh, Sue Filer is a big fan of yours. I know you work with her. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's just nice that we can finally connect. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely to connect. And it's, it's I'm always uh, happy to share what little knowledge and experience I have to help others on their path. Yeah, and we I know you have more than a little knowledge, and we get so used to hearing our own stories and living in our own skin that to someone who hasn't heard from us, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. So how does your story begin into this uh, fantastic world that you're in now? Um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's probably quite strange because we have, we have the old cliche, I think, Sandra, where everybody says, I was always like this when I was young. I hear about reason. that a lot, yes. <laughs> yeah, well... I was always like this when I was, but I actually didn't really understand anything. And to be honest, um, my passion, I was brought up uh, as a Catholic. I, my, my granny used to say that I was of the Heinz 57 variety. It was a little bit of a mixture of everything because my granny was a convert. My father was um, Protestant and also a, a part of the Masonic Lodge. Wow. My mother uh, was, was Roman Catholic. And then my uncle, who I was very, very, very close to, was a brother in the Redemptorist Monastery. He was a monk and and gave up his his life for service uh, to the monastery. So I think when I was younger, I I had a very, very spiritual outlook, Sandra. And I I wasn't your type of kid that liked to go out and and play football and all that kind of stuff. I was kind of quite studious and... Whenever I could spend time at the monastery, that's where I went. So I, I would say that a, a great deal in my youth was spent in the monastery and um, learning from monks and priests and nuns who were coming on retreats. And I had I seen a great side of life, you know, from that side. I would feed the poor. I would feed prisoners. I would, I would, you know, I, I spent a great deal of time with Brother Pius, um, who would, you know. I, educate me on on different things so 
I had a I had a passion for spirituality, and and then of course, as I moved on in life, um, I then wanted to, as I was growing up, I wanted to be a Catholic priest, you know, and while other people were reading uh, comic books and things like that, you know, one of the first books that I ever read was The Vocation to the Priesthood by the Redemptor's publication. So even as a young boy, um, I was kind of drawn in that way. And I used to, it's a bit, it's a bit funny. I used to have my own altar in my bedroom and I would hear mass and things like that. That's funny. Know, but, you know, the interesting things was that when, when I was in the monastery, I had experiences and experiences that I couldn't explain. And a great deal of, um, uh, you know, Catholicism, I think, you know, and and uh, Catholic law and things I was getting taught weren't sitting with me as well as they probably should have with everybody else, you know. So I, I would question, I think, more than anything else. And I think my my spirituality then kind of grew from that. And I always had that fundamental basis as a young man um, and spending all my years, formative years, kind of in the monastery and, and learning and, and going on. And then my first, you know, I, I, I got to know people that were exorcists and, you know, it, it was just an amazing, amazing foundation for me. I, I met nuns who were, you know, great singers who were, teachers and I think I saw pretty much all aspects of life within the monastery and albeit that was within the monastery and also in the public you know as the public would come up and then they would reach out to the community so I had a good a good basis for it but I wouldn't I couldn't tell you from then what a psychic was or what a medium was or anything like that you know what kind of experiences oh well I remember one experience was and I think I've, I, I shared this in the last interview, was I, I remember I used to have a weird fascination about being in the loft area. And, and it always felt haunted to me and, and scary. And I remember walking down the hallways and, and you always thought in the monastery that all these religious artifacts and pictures were staring at you and judging you, you know? Yes. And, and it was quite a scary place, but it was just somewhere that I was constantly drawn to. And I remember in, in one evening... Uh, I was I kind of got up and I, I was going to the, the restroom and I saw this monk, this priest, you know, down the hallway. I kind of waved and I was like, you know, hi, Father, you know, and nothing. There was not even any emotion or a wave back, nothing, and then just disappeared. So that was kind of quite upsetting for me. And I remember then speaking to the, the monks and the priest and the rector at the time and saying what I had saw and that this priest hadn't, you know, even bothered about me and was quite ignorant until they actually one day they actually I think it was Brother Pius at the time or the rector I can't remember which one but they showed me they showed me this book and the 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 priest whom I had saw was one of the priests way back when they first took over that monastery in Scotland which was really the latter end of the 17th century um, and had well gone had well passed. And then I was then given this whole lecture about, you know, not dabbling and maybe yeah. it was, you know, it was in my mind and there was, there, was, there was the negative side of things of, of, of uh, the other side that I shouldn't dabble with and I should always pray. And, and then I was, you know, from that day on, I think I was tied to my rosary beads because you, you kind of, you know, they, they, they put the, the fear of death in you basically. Sure. 
But then I had a lot more, you know, many other experiences from that, you know, just my intuition was very, very strong. <clears throat> and the funny thing was, even later in life, um, I would clairvoyantly see things and I would also see like auric fields and colours and things around people to the point that later in life I had, um, I actually had uh, LASIK laser surgery twice because I was seeing these things and, and it never really did anything for me and I realised that what I was seeing was a spiritual type of energy so I think from not having that knowledge and going through everything was a kind of piecemeal that came together but if I had to be honest with my whole kind of upbringing not so much on the Catholicism part but the, the foundation was at the monastery absolutely because I learned so much and, and I studied not so much, you know, a, a great deal of religion, but I, I studied the lives of different saints and I studied, you know, all different um, spiritual concepts. And I, I was way more advanced in my years. I should have been out playing with people and out, you know, running about darkly with other kids, but I never done that. Well, somehow it's perfect to where you are. But I tell you, <laughs> I it just everything I've seen you do that I know of, it's all a passion for service, of being in service. And so that's probably the foundation you got so early. Absolutely. I, you know, I think I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, Sandra, you know, and I was thinking, I'm so dedicated to serving spirit and serving others. And I think it came from the very, very first time that Brother Pius took me outside with the, tro with the, the, the big metal trolley and I would stand as a young kid. I was only about eight, nine years old and I would feed the poor. And I remember it was like, is this what Jesus done? You know, is this what is this what these people did back in the day in St. Alphonsus and, you know, um, St. Francis? And, and I felt like I was kind of part of that culture. And so service to me has always been a number one priority right from that very first time that I put the soup ladle into the soup pot and served the poor. Well, I really thank you for that and for myself as well. Although the name of the show is We Don't Die, it's the title of my book, what's under it all is the hope to help people that are grieving and in pain. And I know you come from the same place. Absolutely. I think grief is, and I know, you know, it was interesting. Um, I had a question a little while back where someone had said to me, what makes you such an expert on grief? And I, I've always said, I'm, I'm not an expert in nothing. I've got a little bit of knowledge that I share with, with, with anybody who asks. Um, and I, I tend to come, come from different angles and maybe a little bit different to other mediums. But I was asked, you know, what is it that makes you an expert or, or what is it that makes you experienced in it? I've, I've always said that there's a lot of people out there that have got mediumship abilities, but they've never really experienced grief or they've never really experienced heartache and trauma. And there's a big difference when you're actually reading from, from someone. There's a lot of people get held on, like, how good is the message, but not perhaps how impactful is the message. Now, you can impact someone in a negative or a positive fashion. And I think that comes down with a lot of experience. And so I experienced, and I wrote a post this in a grief group that I run, and I've experienced a great deal of grief, a lot of grief through, through the years. And so I think I've experienced different aspects of it. So I have an empathy with 
people who are seriously suffering. And I think it's the worst trauma to go through from, from losing a sibling to losing a son or a daughter. And grief can have so many labels and so many names and so many descriptions. Grief is, is completely different to everyone and everybody suffers in their own way. You know, there's a, there's a great Buddhist teacher that I, that I really look up to, and that's a, a gentleman, a monk called Thich Nhat Hanh. And one thing that always stuck on me is Never judge anybody in any way that you can because you never know the battle that they're facing and you never, everybody is suffering in their own way and in a different way. And you can't make a judgment on someone because you don't know they're suffering. You haven't got the, 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 the faintest record, you know, knowledge of how they're suffering. So it's important to just listen, understand and be compassionate. And so with that, even through the work that I do with grief, my life has revolved around three simple rules, and it's love, forgiveness, and compassion. And that's the way I try to live my life every day in some way in service every day. And if I can do that, it's not an easy thing to do, and, and, I, and I don't always <laughs> probably succeed in it because we have the humanistic aspect of us. But for me, service and mediumship goes way beyond just giving a simple reading. It does. There are readings that are entertaining, and then there's also those that are healing. And I just looked at your website, and I thought, this man has integrity. You're not a medium who does the no. entertaining, entertaining kind of readings. You're the ones you do the ones to help the grieving. So I really commend. I do that. actually. It's funny. I, I I vet everyone. There's only one time where. My, my guides have come through and said, you really need to do that person a, a sitting. And then they actually flew in to see me <clears throat> and, and I gave the sitting. And that was me listening to, to the other side that it was needed. I actually thought it wasn't needed. But what I tend to say to people is, don't come to me because you've heard I might be a good medium. I, I'm not the greatest medium in the world. I I, I am fairly evidential as, as far as I can make out and, and as far as my standards go. But if you're only interested in, you know, I went to this person and he's a he's a great medium, then go. Don't bother because there's there's thousands and thousands of mediums out there that will do it for a few dollars. There's thousands of mediums out there that will do it to pander their egos. Only come to me if you're seriously grieving and, and be prepared to wait because I, I have a quite a long a long list. But I tend to I tend to really focus on people who are grieving more. I'm not in it for entertainment. And and I refuse to put on, you know, by saying to people that this is by entertainment purposes only, like a lot do, I, I won't do it because it's not entertainment purposes only. It's for a healing purpose and it's to help somebody through their grief journey. I've always said, and, and I teach this, that a medium cannot heal you through grief. And any medium that tells you that they're going to heal you through grief, you want to run and you want to run as fast as you can and you don't want to look back because a medium can only go on the journey with you through grief. I can only hold your hand, but the journey is a journey that you've inevitably got to make yourself. You've got to learn the lessons of grief and you've got to learn how your soul learns lessons from grief. 
It's not for me to take away those lessons. It's just for me to comfort you, take your hand and carry you when the burden is too heavy so that you may be able to learn and move through that process in a most beneficial and divine way as possible. Yes. And I think personally that for me, it was grief that was the catalyst that woke me up to go on my own spiritual journey. And, you know, I think I think that you know, in, in, as you know, I'm, I'm been reading your book and things, and I think that's very important. There's a lot of people. There's a. I don't read a lot of modern books because you tend to know there's a lot of people write, and it's more for getting themselves out there, getting their name out there and stuff. And then you meet authors like yourself who the catalyst has been some form of grieving, the grief process, being thrown into turmoil of something they can't understand. And what I found fascinating about you, and I love this, I love it when a skeptic turns into a non-skeptic because it's almost like that seed has been sown and you then are on your own journey. And in that own journey, in that process, you learn so much you touch so many hearts along the way. And it's not about how long the journey is. It's about how many hearts you touch, how many souls you touch, and, and how many smiles you put on people's faces. And I think that's important for anybody who takes up their, their, their instruction or their journey on grief is that they look at themselves and they realize that they're on a journey. And maybe it's the hardest thing to do. Maybe it's the hardest thing to, to, to accept that your loved one is not around you in the physical. But if we can manage to get people to try and understand about the reality of, of the continuation of your consciousness and life after death, then we can maybe then educate them on a new journey and, and, and maybe make it more exciting for them. And and I think that's a fundamental basis that people need to maybe try and look at. Mm, excellent words. Jock, how did you... Well, when you grew up, obviously you didn't become a priest. <laughs> but no, thank God. No, I didn't. <laughs> and not knocking the priesthood. But how did you end up getting into mediumship? Well, do you know, it was really strange because I had experiences in the army as well. I'd see old soldiers and my intuition was always very strong. Um, I just always knew things. And whether you understand it as being a psychic or a medium or anything, like you, I am actually very, very skeptical, and and I think that's a good thing. Um, and I remember one day, uh, I was it was in in Scotland, and my friend had said to me, "I'm, I'm going to go and see this psychic woman. Her, her name was Rachel, and I, you know, can you give me a lift?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll give you a lift." I said, "I don't believe in all that mumbo jumbo or anything. You know, that's that's." That's all I kind of rip off. And I was older in my years, but I was still very spiritual. You know, I, I, I always prayed. And I think, you know, curiosity killed the cat. It got the better of me. And I went to see this. And I never went to see the woman. I went to take uh, my friend to see the woman, Alison. And uh, she went in. And I was waiting outside, you know, and reading a book or on the phone as usual. And um, <clears throat> she came out and she says, you come up, you come out up here. And I was like, no, I, I'm not paying for a reading. I'm not coming in for a reading. And she says, no, no, I want to speak to you. And she sat me down and she held my hand. My father passed very young. And I never got to say goodbye to him. I, and 
my grief hit me much, much later because we didn't have a great relationship and, uh, you know, we fell out before he passed and it was a, just a terrible thing. But I remember she just held my hand and she said, I have your father here and she gave me his name and I was like, well, this is, wait a minute, I wasn't expecting this. And then she told me things that just were out of this world. I just couldn't understand it. And she knew things about me that were very, very private and about my father. And, and she wanted to bring that um, close, you know, close for me because she knew that I needed to look at it differently. And then she said to me, she says, you've been a natural medium ever since you were a child. And she gave me a ring and she sat me down and she, she, she said, hold this ring. And she talked me through some things and she says, I want you to just shut your eyes and tell me what you you see in your mind. And I think I was thinking imagination and I started to tune in and I brought her husband through. And she said, and I, and she just, I just explained it. And then she just said, you've been a natural medium all your days and you're going to be called to service very soon. And she gave me a time. She said, you know, within this period of time, you'll have a visitation and it'll be from someone on the other side. Well, um, cut a very long, cut a very long story short. Um, I did have that visitation and it frightened the living daylights out of me. My father appeared to me in my apartment just as I would be looking at you. Never said anything, nothing bag or anything else, but you know, and I wasn't, you know, wasn't drinking. I've never been a heavy drinker or anything like that. And I've, you know, I've never taken drugs or anything. And this was quite unusual for me. And, um, I knew, you know, it was very clear it was my dad and all, all he did was smile. And at that moment, something lifted between us and I was really scared. And so I ran down, you know, the next day, the next day I, I went down to this local spiritualist church that I used to call the spooky church. <laughs> and, and it was really weird because I, I could hear singing, but the doors were all locked and everything else. And I, I, I rattled the door because I knew I had to get in there. And this old woman opened the door and she looked at me and she says, oh, it's yourself, son. We've been waiting on you. You better come in. Well, that, of course, frightened the living daylights. Yes, yes, yes. And I hid up the back and I went up to the back seats and I was trying to just hide away. And there was was loads of people in there. And there was this, and I can't remember their names, but there was this man and this woman. And they were on the platform with her husband and wife. And she came straight to me and she says, that gentleman has just come in. And she told me, she said, I got somebody here from the spirit world for you. And she she said, um, she gave me evidence that was, you know, amazing. And she said, you'll be standing here. There's the spiritual doors that are opening for you and you'll be standing up here. Incredible. And that was my opening into what spiritualism was. Wow. You'll be called to service very soon. And you were. <laughs> and I met my wife. And it, I mean, everything just seemed to then take its own direction. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I was seeking anything. It was like I was being pushed in the direction. I studied Reiki. I became a Reiki master. I, I, 
I, I, I studied uh, as much as I could. I went back almost to my younger days and, and studied everything I could possibly study from ancient uh, trans teachings to anything I could get my hands on, I studied. And a woman uh, took me under her wing by the name of Helen Gordon and um, she would take me to old Scottish castles and she would take me out and she would kind of teach me. And then I, you know, I, I would, that would be a kind of private personal thing. And then I was in the, 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 the spiritualist church and I made friends there and, and then it just went on from there. Before I knew it, I went into, uh, I was really interested in crystals and I thought, you know what, I'm going to get myself an amethyst crystal. And I went to this crystal store in the north of Scotland and I saw this business card and it was uh, Joanne Pugsley, you know, a psychic medium, Wales and running courses and things. And I thought, I'm going to go on that. I'm going to just, just for the sheer fun of it, I'm going to go on and see how we do. Well, I've always been a very suspicious person and I remember phoning Joanne and so I'm interested in you because I want to meet you first. You know, I, I want to meet you and see if you're the real deal, you know. And, and I was quite cheeky about it. <laughs> but we met up and we had a coffee and uh, I went on. I said, okay, I'm going to go. I went, on her, I went on her course that she was running. And as I pulled up that day, uh, she took me into the hall and there was like, you know, all these other people that was there. And she said, don't you be giving out any messages. You, you're, you know. I know you're a medium and you just sit here and learn. And I was very, very rough with it. And, and the ego was burning from what I had learned. And of course, I failed and I gave out messages and I got into trouble. Um, so I, I credit my wife then for taking me, as I've said before, a piece of coal that was black, unpolished, um, ignorant, not understanding the spirit world is is the way I should have, and and she really turned me into a diamond. Oh, how did you meet your wife? I met her on that psychic development course. Oh, <laughs> she was the teacher. Oh, how wonderful! She was the teacher. She was the and and we we fell in love and we got married and we demonstrated. Uh, we got married in the Spiritual Church in Swansea. We served, we served the, the churches up there, and we served our own church. We ran our own church in Scotland, and you know we had we had our own circle, and we developed um, a home circle, and we run our centre, the Centre of Spiritual Light, and um, we loved it. We just kept on, you know, serving Spirit and and doing demonstrations, and and then the USA called and we came over, we got married. We had a, um, which was into, we, 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 before we got married, actually we had a, a, a bad car accident and actually I had a, an, an NDE. Um, and I don't normally, I'm very skeptical of NDEs and OBEs yes. and things. I'm, as you'll realize from when you, you know, a lot of what I do, I'm hardened evidence. I need evidence. So even though I've had experiences like that, I've never been really open because I, I, I can't come back with hardened evidence from things I experienced. But I remember in the car crash that we had, 
I, I basically had that experience and um, I saw everything from outside my body. I was up and I then woke up in the car. We were taken to hospital. Um, we got married. We came over. We weren't supposed to come over to America because Joe was still in a cast. Um, she had a, a, not a broken bone from the car accident. She got a broken bone from just after the car accident falling down the stair. And um, everybody was laughing and said that she was like a runaway bride and she was <laughs> she, she was she was trying to run away. So um, then I came over on our honeymoon and I got very ill. I got rushed into hospital and, and on honeymoon and I ended up and it was really strange because we ended up in the villages in Florida. We we when we landed we had nowhere to go because our hotels that we had booked in Florida, some had gone wrong. It was the, the room they were in was full of cockroaches. We had nowhere to go. Joe was in a wheelchair. And we met these this, this old couple, and they just picked us up, and they said, well, we'll take you home to our place, and then we'll try and get you somewhere to stay. And, and you know, we'll try and, you know, we'd just, got, we'd just got married. And it was amazing because we were so tired and we got to this woman's, this old woman's house. Um, and we went and it was Danny and Mimi and they put us up and we woke up the next morning and you know, Sandra, there was angel statues everywhere. Mm, nice. Everywhere there was. And they helped us and we stayed in the villages for like six, seven months. We, we, they helped us to get a little, a little place to stay and we were kind of, adopted pensioners Aww. with our, our trolleys and stuff. And so, you know, we had a bit of a journey, you know, we had a bit of a journey and it was there in the villages that I wrote my first book, Powers of the Sixth Sense. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, and how long have you been in the States now? Uh, now be six, nearly seven years. Seven years. And you're in the Carolinas now. You're not no North longer. Carolina. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous here. Um, I love the mountains. I was in Florida before, but it was so flat and humid. And from a, from a, you know, for a Scotsman, that's not a good thing. Right. <laughs> Humidity kind of kills you, you know, kills you out there. And, and, and I always had a saying, you know, if it flies, it wants to kill you in Florida. And if it swims, it wants to kill you. <laughs> and if it crawls, it wants to kill you. So it's best not being there. There are some big bugs for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I want to ask you just a question on your yeah. mediumship only because this caught my eye. I was on mm. your website, jockbrokus.com, and there were some testimonials from people. And someone wrote that you were highly evidential with names, street names, personal details, and details in foreign languages <laughs> what what the heck is that what <laughs> i yes um i can't say that it's me no i think it's maybe an aspect of 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 trans but i have had um people that have came for sittings and um i'm very clear audience so I kind of, I, I, as, as people understand clear audience, I hear, I hear with my mind and sometimes I've, I've objectively heard outside, but when I hear it, I know that it's it's completely separate from me. So there's times where I've actually given sittings and I've given, I gave street names and, and I don't want to say I, I don't like to say I because I want to really give the credit to, to Spirit. The spirit, yeah. Spirit has been able to impress on me how to say it and what to say and 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 that 
an example. I've heard names, street names, places in Russian, Italian, Spanish, uh, Czechoslovakian, and German, I believe. And and that's I don't speak any languages. That's fantastic. So I just have, and, and it doesn't always happen, and, and I right. can't claim, and everyone in my testimonials, I've, I'm very particular, they're, very, they're real, you know, it's, it's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put anything up there for the, for the sake of it, because I'm so dedicated to helping people with grief, and this particular Russian woman that came to see me, she had lost her both sons in a terrible incident in, in Russia, and she was she was grieving and she was really bad with it. And um, I didn't even, I didn't know how it was going to go because I, I was having a problem with understanding it anyway, but I just trusted spirit and I just give what I heard. And I just opened up and I said, you know, I, I'm calling on my divine power and my divine authority and, and make it happen. And it happened. And, and it's happened on a number of occasions. I've also given um, information in Gaelic as well. Um, which is really strange because I don't speak Gaelic, even though I'm from Ireland or Scotland, I don't speak Gaelic, but it's few and far between. I, and I can't say that it's me and it doesn't make me any different from any other medium or, or special in any way. It, it just means that spirit on that occasion has been able to impress on me in a different way. And I think people would call it xenoglossy. You know, the scientists of our, our era would call it xenoglossy. But I think xenoglossy is more when... Uh, they're holding long conversations, et cetera, et cetera, in foreign languages that they don't speak. Um, I can just say that, you know, clear audiently, I've heard those languages and I've I've just said what I've hear and, and it's worked. Oh, so talk I can't about, really take that on board. No, I, I get it. They're like the telephone and you're just repeating what's coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm... I'm raising my vibration and hopefully I believe that what makes us a good medium is how we live a clean life. And that doesn't necessarily mean wearing caftans and sandals and goodness knows what else, but trying to live a clean life is being mindful of your present moment of, of being aware of other people and being aware of continually trying to strive for divinity in all aspects of your life. Now, you know, it doesn't stop me from having a wee dram and it doesn't stop me, you know, I don't smoke or anything, but, you know, I, I, I'm not um, a golden child or, or whiter than white. It's just that I think daily my life is trying to exemplify the life that Christ would have led, lived or, or the life that anybody who aspires to some form of divinity would try and live. And so I'm always watching my thoughts and I'm always watching um, how I react. And, and I'm always, I, I pray regularly and, and deeply, you know, I, I take my time. That's great. Great words. Um, you had brought up the word trance earlier, yeah. just briefly. Yeah. Are you a medium that does trance work or? I don't do it publicly in, in my home circles that um, that we've had. Yes, I've, I've done um, trance. I would say that every medium who is a medium or claims mediumship abilities is always a developing medium. Yes. Um, I'm continually developing that side of me. I'm striving more and more to develop 
you know, other aspects of my mediumship, which I hope will be, you know, independent voice. Um, but, you know, since I've moved so many times in, in America, uh, finding the right circle, we've had people that have came and, and, and joined our circles. And for me, as I said to you, and, and as you probably know, evidence for me is more than anything. So I have a big issue with channeling and trance, I think, are two separate issues and two separate things. And I know that when when I've seen really good trance mediumship or, or witnessed it, that person is almost, their, their, their consciousness is separated, their faculties is gone, and the, the, the spirit control is being able to manipulate and utilize their consciousness, their physical expression. And, and so I expect some form of evidence. And when I was developed, well, I'm still developing, but it's another thing when people are trying to get to know their guides. Anybody will take a guide. And I've always said there's a danger to that because, you you know, you, you tell your kids, don't eat sweets, don't take sweets from strangers. And sometimes when we're developing mediumship, we're just like that child, those children. And we often take sweets from strangers because we have this, I don't know, this this rose-tinted look that, you know, we get some form, a little bit of evidence, or we think is evidence from the other side, that that then is our guide. So I've always been very aware of that. And I remember when I first met my team, um, I was totally out. I, I was in what people would understand as deep trance. I don't remember anything from it. I came around, and in our circle, they said who my guide was, and... I thought it was a lot of rubbish. I thought they were making it up. And I thought there was some aspect of me that had maybe read a book or something and, and had said this and we couldn't. But the evidence, when they went away and, and the research, the evidence actually stuck, stood up. And in, in the next session, the evidence was then pieced together with each person. And our, our circle, you know, in, in our circle, they had to, you know, find that out and, and find out who it was. And, and I was still very, no, I don't believe in it. It's, it's got to be hard for me. You know, you've got to give me real evidence. Yes. But then there came, there came a point where you just have to accept that the evidence is overwhelming. So I've always been wanting to tell people, even with your guides and developing, you, you have to have a number of pieces of evidence that all puts together like a jigsaw puzzle before you can really readily accept anything. Yeah. So someone speaks through you. Yes. Pretty cool. <laughs> and I don't, and I've always said, you know, here's the thing. There's a lot of mediums will, they'll get it and instantly they want to go out into the public domain. Right. I, I, and I don't really like that. I, it's, it's their own part of their life and I, I won't judge them for it. But for me, um, I will continue to develop in the home circle to such times as spirit then say that we want to share this knowledge. And, um, and that'll be whenever they decide, not when I decide. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very private actually, and I'm private with my work as well. Um, I tend, you know, I'm actually rebuilding my website at the moment, but I, I tend not to promote myself a great deal, uh, and I don't, you know, I don't kind of push out. And I've, I look at different aspects of of my studies and, and mediumship work and afterlife studies and things, and I am, I'm my worst enemy for for promoting myself. I'd rather, I'd rather promote other people than myself so I'm very private in my work because I believe it's it's for me it's a vacation it's not a job yes 
I get that completely. Can you just mention what the difference is between channeling and trance? I get the trance. Okay, but- so for me, and, and this is, and I, I'm sorry if I upset people, but for me, the, the, there's what people would understand as light trance and deep trance and channeling. Channeling is like inspirational speaking for me. When someone is there and they, they kind of move themselves into an altered state and they are impressed, maybe they, they, they say that they're, when a lot of people say they're channeling Jesus or they're channeling something for me, I mean, you could start and channel now. You could just go into a meditative state and just say what you're feeling. For me, that's like inspiration. It doesn't hold much in the way of evidence for me. And and really a great deal of what comes out is actually coming from the mind and the knowledge of that particular person, the medium. So, I don't look at light trance as being light trance. I have, in my mind and in my my understanding and the way that I'm happy with it is there's channeling and then there's deep trance and there's nothing in between. And and I and I might upset people and it's because in deep trance I want evidence. I want evidence of loved ones or I want to hear from spirit that I know through my own discernment that that information and that knowledge is so more highly attuned and highly evolved that it couldn't possibly come from an individual's wisdom and knowledge. Now, I know there's a certain aspect of, and you know, Spirit Silver Birch would often say that he, he, he would utilize the vocabulary and the understanding of his vessel, but there comes a time when Spirit is, is able to control and they have such a control over the medium that they're able to impress their own knowledge and their uh, part of their consciousness through that medium because they've got such a, a level of control. And I don't think, I think it's something that has to be developed over a very long period of time. There's some great trans mediums out there. Um, and there's some good channelers that have got good information but for me it, it doesn't do nothing for me the channel and it really doesn't and, and you know there's there's fantastic direct voice mediums like leslie flint back in the day yes you know you, you've got we, we don't have that so much anymore you know we we have you know people try to aspire to be another silver birch or to be another morris barbino mm-hmm. um and I think sometimes we just got to take our, you know, and, and I think, you know, we've got to be careful as well. I'm, I'm a great believer that, that, you know, there's a yin and a yang, there's light and dark, the, you, you wouldn't know pain if you didn't know health. Yes. You, you, you know, you wouldn't know light if you didn't know dark. So we've got to be careful. We can't just give ourselves up to anything on the other side. You know, it's also very dangerous. And so I think it takes a long a long period of development, a long period of sacrifice to get to the point where we develop the relationships enough where spirit can actually utilize us for the means that they want us. Um, you know, and there's, there's few and far between out there. I've seen more bad mediumship and more bad trance than I have seen genuine. Hmm. And the genuine I have seen, and I've also seen not genuine, but to my core, when I see genuine, I hear messages of service that are i've seen yeah, lo- you, loved you, ones step in talking to absolutely. their children and you you discern it in your own because we, we all have a divine aspect of ourselves we're all 
divine in nature. I mean, we've heard that saying so many times, Sandra, you know, we're, we're, we're spirit in human form. Yes. So there's an element of our divinity that just knows. It's almost like going home. So when you're in the presence of a, a, a really great medium um, that is able to allow themselves and give themselves freely to be controlled um, with love from the other side, we instantly know and can feel that. And we instantly also know when it's not genuine because it doesn't resonate in our vibration. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm looking at the clock. If we go over a little over an hour, is that okay with you? Yeah, fight away. I don't mind. Okay, because there's so much. I want to touch on a few things because you had said that, well, like me, you're someone who likes to promote other people, not about self-promotion. Yes. But I'd like to find out what ASS MPI is and also the other side press. Could you share wow. about those? Um, yes. Well, the ASS MPI actually came from a trans address in our circle many, many, many years ago. And, of course, Spirit didn't come through and say, hey, we want you to start up an organization called the ASS MPI. They basically come through and they say, we, we're, con you know, we're concerned about standards and, you know, we would like to have another voice and we would like you to set up an organization. So I thought, okay, I can do this because I'm, I'm very adept at, at online stuff and building sites and marketing and things like that. You know, I actually have a marketing uh, company. And I thought, okay, I can do that. And I know the exact person who can run it. It was Robin Foy. So I decided, I, I spoke to Robin, and I said, Robin, this has come through in our circle, and Spirit wants us to do this, and I think you should head it. And I'll be in the background, and I'll just kind of get everything ready, and then you do it. And he said, no, he said, I'm feeling that you should be the person doing this, mm -hmm. and I'll support you. I said, well, you'll be part of it. Yes, but why don't you do it? And so we kind of went back and forth. I was trying to convince him. So he says, well, look, Spirit have asked you, you've got to do it. So I said, okay, right. So then I rattled my cage a little bit, and I thought, right, I'm going to ask Kai Moogie. So I'm going to get this. I got You're funny, man. Kai, uh -huh. you be the head of this, and you do this and everything else and get involved with us. And, and he said the same as Robin. And but he would he would support and he would be involved with it and I, I was going through lists of people I was trying to find anybody and everybody I could possibly find you know at one point I, I mean I, I even before I got to even speak to Stuart Alexander I'd written to him and tried to get in touch with him and that didn't work and and then I just didn't know what to do and I thought well I I, I may as well start it and so I, I think when I started it it wasn't really taken seriously our organization wasn't taken seriously and, and I don't blame people for that because they think it's another fly-by-night organization but I kept in my mind you know well Jesus was a carpenter and why did he choose why was the disciples chosen they weren't chosen because how great they were they were they were Fishermen, they were normal people. So maybe, maybe I can do the job. Maybe you know, spirit chooses a normal person. They don't have to be well known and famous. Or, and then, so I started to develop it, and um, it was very difficult. And it's been a long struggle. It's been hard. 
Um, it's taken a lot. Of, I had to take a sabbatical. I had to come out of doing public dems and all that and just to concentrate on this. And it's been a lot of years of development. I'm praying to spirit to get the right people. Um, you learn along the way. You learn about the wrong people. And you just... But I've always focused on one thing that I remember spirit wanted. They wanted it to be from spirit to develop spirit. And it had to basically to, to, to be there, to be standards to set standards, to, to, to keep it high and to bring spirit back to the circle, bring spirit back to mediumship and to try and, and negate negativity out there. So for me, it's almost been like, well, that's an impossible thing to do and how do you do it? And I remember, I'm not sure if it was Robin that said to me, he says, look, somebody's got to do it. Why not you? You Why, why, why not you? Right. You know, and and I thought, well, okay, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's go for it. But I, I never wanted the hat. I really didn't want the hat. I wanted somebody else to carry that torch. Um, but I'm very, I'm very proud of it now, and and I, we're here to stay. And we have, you know, one desire is is to have open arms, to welcome everybody, no matter who they are, but to keep our standards very, very high and to serve with an open heart, with love, compassion, and forgiveness. And I think slowly and surely we are starting to make a difference, and, and not, not only in mediumship, but other, you know, in people's lives. And people are starting to volunteer and come forward, and we've got a long, long, long way to go, but we are primarily an organization that is just, interested in research and standards, you know, and um, we've just recently had uh, Dr. Palmer who's just joined us and, and signed up a document to come work with us and spearhead a new team. We've got another doctor who's going to be joining us shortly, who I'm going to be speaking to this week, who approached us. Um, and I think to, to, to just develop real standards for professional mediums. You see, there's a lot of, and you know this as well as I do, there's a lot of people who claim to be mediumistic that are not. And there's a lot of people that get hoodwinked. And, and here's an important yes. thing that I want to say to people. And I'm going to use an example. If people are so, mediums are so caught up with how accurate they are, one word can throw someone grieving into turmoil and it may be very flippant in saying something it could be as simple as i've got your husband here his name is harry he's coming through um oh he's not been happy about you lately and the person who's receiving the message doesn't hear i've got your husband got your harry he loves you da, 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 da. she hears he's not happy with me mm -hmm. that's it so we need to train our mediums to be able to discern and that create that's that's a lot of development and a lot of understanding working with spirit and how to de to deliver and how to to be able to to transmute the right thing and to be able to de discern what spirit's trying to put across because you're you're a filter you're like a water filter you're taking it in dirt you want it to come out clean um and i've seen mediums that have caused more grief to people grieving just because they're untrained and don't know, have never developed long enough, 
have, don't have much experience in, in life and for them it's just about how accurate they can get or maybe get a name or can they get this. It, it's, it's not about how accurate the evidence is. It's, it's, and everybody's evidence is different. One person's evidence is another person's failure. But how you deliver it is more important because spirit want to give you a job and you want to serve them to the best of your ability. And that means not hurting someone and, and not making them think, my God, I came out. I've had so many messages from people that have been, I came out of that reading feeling worse than I've ever felt in my life. Because whilst the medium was reading for them and they thought it was kind of just flippantly pass something across and a bit funny, they don't realize that how that person's grief is building in them and how the and the, the message, however it's distilled, can destroy that person and make them, you know, fall into even a deeper cavern of grief. So I, I think we need we need a lot more training of our mediums, not just in the evidential side, but in the em, empathic side, if I'm saying the right word. To be able to understand grief and to learn about it, almost from you need to have some experience. That that's my own personal opinion. Yeah, a young kid can. I mean, we could we could stand in a workshop and I could teach a young twenty year old kid an eighteen year old kid to give a good reading and it would be accurate. But that doesn't make them a medium, Sandra. I think medium is a vacation, and it's a journey you take. It's it's a burden that you also take on because it's not an easy one because you have a great deal of responsibility. And I think mediums need to wake up to the responsibility that they have. Yes. The responsibility to spirit and the responsibility to those that are grieving. Definitely. Yeah. Integrity. What about psychic parties? No. Mm -mm. Uh, Jacques, what is the other side press? Well, that is in, uh, is an online magazine that we started to, um, to educate and to teach uh, and to have, you know, articles about mediumship and afterlife. And we've kind of gone through different iterations. I mean, at one point we were into UFOs and angels and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, myself and the rest of the board, we decided you know, we're going to stick to what we know and that's the afterlife. And it's growing. And um, we have a fantastic readership. It, it, it's There's, you know, lots of readers that, that love it and enjoy it. I have to be honest. For anybody who's listening, yes, I know there's not been a lot of articles on it recently, but here's the reason. The reason you haven't seen anything recently is because we're actually now ready to change to a full-color print and subscription magazine that will be available for people. And so the online magazine, The Other Side Press, will become more of an online um different articles and, and different things that will go on there more readily available as and when people, you know, send them in. But we are going to be developing into a full print with with the blessing of spirit and, and hopefully we can raise enough funds to do so. Full print, full colour, um, digitised uh, online magazine with great writers and regular monthly uh, exposes and articles on uh, mediumship and research and standards and mediums and uh, and grieving and grief. You know, I I enjoy. I write a column in it called the grief journey, uh, the journey through grief, and um, I don't write the articles from 
any perspective of any books that I've written. I, I think Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is great. Um, I've read a lot of different grief books, but I tend to, my articles tend to spark from something I've heard or a feeling or an awareness that I've been given or something that I've, uh, is intuitively come to me. So I, I tend to let spirit write the articles if you like. Um, and hopefully that they'll, you know, they'll, they'll touch someone and help someone. Um, and if, if, one person reads it and one person's touched by it. I think we've done our job. Oh, definitely. And congratulations for it turning into a online magazine subscription. It's all fantastic because there's not too many of them out. No, no, so, I, 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 we've got a long way to go and you sure. know, we're, we're, we're getting there. I mean, that's why one of the reasons why everyone's been so quiet, you know, you don't realize that to turn something into a, in a proper, governed magazine you know proper magazine that people can hold in their hand or can can read on the right it's not just about putting a pdf up there you know it's no. got to have the right writers the right energy yes the right people and and i'm we're starting to develop a fantastic team in the assmpi and more people are stepping forward and i prayed to spirit because it was getting overwhelming for me um it was taking a great deal of time and a lot of decisions in there that I didn't want, I, I didn't want to make as well. And I'm, I'm a great person for compassion. And I think that's another thing that, that a lot of people don't understand. To develop compassion um, isn't just about an, an empathic way of, of, of feeling for someone. It's, it's also about wisdom and courage because you can be compassionate for someone that everybody may think is, is, doesn't deserve compassion. And I think that it's emulated in, in some of the great um, saints and, you know, Jesus and Buddha and all of those lives, you, you can learn something about compassion from. And I've always said that if you can look someone who, you, who everybody else believes is truly bad or, or truly evil and you can put your arms around them and still be compassionate and feeling for that plight, then you're kind of learning compassion. You, you know, it, it it's more than just a feeling for me. So I try to analyze and, and develop my compassionate side every day in my life. Yeah, it's something we can all do. Yeah, and, and it's not it's not easy. And I no. think no matter how much we try, it's a very hard thing to try and, and try and emulate because you almost have to look introspectively and what may not sit with you psychologically or may not sit with you in a material world, you have to fight against that in order to make that divinity rise and to see the compassion in something that may almost be totally against what anybody else thinks. You know, I the best fortune cookie I ever got, the message jock was, the best place to stand in an argument is on the other person's side. And That's fantastic. Yes, and it just speaks so much to really being in somebody's shoes and really Absolutely. having compassion for them. We have no idea the struggles we people don't. are dealing with. No idea. We have no idea what you know that no matter what someone does in their life, I've always believed that that we don't know their full story and we don't, I don't know. Did you see that? I'm not sure what it was called. Did you see the, the, I think it was called the shed. There was a, a, a film that came out recently and I went the shack? to see, yeah. the shack. That's I it. haven't seen it. <laughs> no, the shed. I, that's that's the all right. Shack. That, did you watch that? No, not yet. Oh, 
Sandra, you've got to watch it. It's absolutely phenomenal. Okay. There's a lot of people coming out of the cinema and like, I don't get it. You know, I, that was rubbish. And it, but it is phenomenal because there is every conceivable spiritual lesson in that film that you can think of. Oh. There is compassion. There is love. There is forgiveness. There is abuse. There is every who, the person that wrote that book that was divinely inspired, mm. and to watch. And it's quite funny in some of it. You've got Jesus standing on a boat and, and he's saying, well, why don't you just make the fish come? And he's like, well, what's the fun in that? You know, it's if, if you look at that film as an observer and, and uh, sorry, as a participant rather than an observer, you get to feel it in a different way. And I think there's some great lessons in that film. And I would urge anybody to go and see it. But And if you've seen it before, try and look at it from uh, uh, participate in it you know try and find those hidden messages try and find that emotion that's hidden within it because it really teaches you a great deal about love forgiveness and compassion it's a phenomenal phenomenal film oh. and, and I, i'm not ashamed to say it but i was crying my eyes out <laughs> i'll watch it this afternoon I, yeah i've seen it but i i didn't know i mean i see the previews but i didn't know what it was and so. Oh, it's really good. I mean, God is played by a black woman, and um, and she's hilarious. She's, she's brilliant, and just the way that the story interweaves. If you look at, you will you will find great afterlife revelations and and great spiritual revelations, and with not a dogmatic perception within it. Excellent. Excellent. So I, I go, anybody who's listening to this, go and watch it with different eyes. The Shack. It's amazing. The Shack. Um, Jock, can you mention what the Afterlife Connect is? I know you've got the website, afterlifeconnect.com. Afterlife Connect is owned by the ASIS MPI. It's, it's, oh, it helps us to raise funds. So it's a mark. So I have a, a, a great deal of skill in marketing. And what I wanted to do was to bring a grief community together for, with professional mediums and churches because churches are always complaining they don't have enough bums on seats and there's people are falling away from them. And part of the problem is is they, they don't know how to make themselves open and aware for people to find them or to even um, reach out to a new community, you know. So I developed Afterlife Connect as a an educational grief community um, and, a, and, a, and a marketing platform for professional mediums. We don't always let every medium in. We've turned away tons of tons of mediums. Um, it's not a directory. It is a content marketing platform for mediums. It's a, it's a place for mediums to, professional mediums to be able to be um, contactable to the public, to be able to help them um, get found a lot easier but my biggest passion for it is to educate um, those who are grieving to give them a community and, and it's building slowly and my other passion for it is to allow a, a forum, a platform that churches can join and reach out to a community that needs them where the churches can have a professional online, uh, if you like, mini website or, a, or an online connection without having to have all the costs of web design and, and hosting and all the issues that go with it. So it's free 
for the public to join. There's there's a lot of articles and there's there's um, there's a podcast as well that I've that, that I run called Signs of Spirit, and there's other meditations from other uh, mediums and. You know, it's a great thing. And it's a great thing for mediums to be found for people who need them. Um, we only charge a fee to professional mediums who are out there, you know, charging for their services. But what I'll say is that fee helps us in the ASSMPI. It, it, it helps to raise funds. I, you know, a lot of charities are always putting their hands out for something but really don't give a great deal in return. We, we, we want, you know, we're after people to give us money for, to run charities. So my, my belief is that I've got to give, I've got to give the community something tangible so that they'll see that we're raising funds in the right way. And so anything that we, we earn from, from Afterlife Connect goes, and we don't earn a great deal. Uh, it goes straight into ASSMPI to help us develop and to, 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 to build and grow. Um, the public, it's free, and for churches, it's free. Excellent, excellent. I uh, just one more thing I want to ask you is I was stumbling on iTunes and I saw a podcast with your name on it <laughs> called Signs of Spirit. Yes, and you, it sounds like you've got a couple of really or several really good episodes. Loved ones yes. meditation. What is that's a meditation I did for someone who was having a problem mm -hmm. of, of, of making a connection with a loved one. And uh, I've taught in many courses and I've even, I've taught lots of different, I, I've got lots of videos that I teach for on my wife's course and I've taught many workshops. I do a lot of workshops, but I do them privately. I don't advertise them much and it's kind of small and, and um, unique. But what I did from the Afterlife Connect community, I wanted to give them something to listen to and to learn from and so I decided to do a 10 podcast lessons which I've only done about six or seven um, I got way behind because I got very ill there for a while um, but I'll keep doing them and I'm going to keep doing different lessons and and I'm actually probably going to start um, looking at different aspects of grief and things in it and, and once I think we're up to we did dreams and we've got the next one as well so Signs of Spirit, I hope, will grow. It's there free for anybody who wants to listen to it. It's um, it's what little knowledge, again, that I have to share. And I think I've interviewed a couple of people uh, that I respect on there, um, including my wife. In fact, we had a, my wife and I had a great interview. We did it. You know, you wouldn't think we were husband and wife, actually, because I did it very professionally, or I tried to. Oh, great. And I interviewed my wife all about vibration. And it was a fantastic interview, and I think on pod on on iTunes or, or uh, SoundCloud, that's like had nearly a thousand hits or something on it. People listening to it, so um, I'll keep doing it just to share knowledge and share wisdom. It's it's difficult to try and, and balance the amount that I have. Yes. To, to, to be able to do it more regularly. But the next lesson that I'm actually doing, I've got part two of the dream lesson that I'm going to put out, and then I'm, the next one I'm doing is on forgiveness. Um, and really, that comes from, you know, I, I have a grief group as well. And for anybody who's grieving, um, you're, you're in it, Sandra, you know, and, and I don't let a lot of people in it. In fact, it, people that are trying to advertise it, I, I don't even advertise myself. I don't put anything in there. But as a community that I have on Facebook, and I opened it, it's the Afterlife Connect Grief Community, and I opened it as a place for people who are grieving to be able to have 
a voice and to learn and not to be jumped upon by people trying to give them messages and all sorts of things because there's, there's millions of groups out there. There's millions of mediums that will do that, you know. But there's times when, when people just want to express themselves and they want answers. And so I opened it from a woman who came to me and said she had a really negative experience. And so I started to, to it started with one person two people and before now and now people get recommended to come and join it and I think I take I learn a lot from that community that gives me a great deal of um, direction and how I can teach and, and share uh, knowledge and so for me it's it's almost like a teaching platform for, for, for me and for the other mediums as well as a place for those who are grieving to, to come and ask questions and and be on the grief journey with people who understand and who have an empathy. Yes. Um, and I'm going to keep it that way. I'm not going to let it be tainted. It's it's not my community. It's it's a grief community, and it's for those that are grieving. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, uh, for our listener now, um, you know, Jacques says he's got his little bit of knowledge. It's quite a bit. And just in, in the description of this episode, all the links to his website, the ASSMPI, the Afterlife Connect Grief Community, Other Side Press, his um, podcast on iTunes, in the description of this episode are all of those links just to make it easy for you uh, to follow up and find out more. Jacques, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, any closing words or anything um you're itching to say that I didn't ask and oh I forgot to say you know, this here we go no absolutely my, my my only closing word would would be there's three words that I teach everyone perceive believe and conceive that's the secret to life can you just mention a little bit about each one of those perceive what you what it is you you have in your heart okay believe that spirit have given it to you and conceive it into reality. Oh, I love it. Whether whether that is something material you want, or whether it's going through the grief journey, or whether it's developing your soul in a different direction, whether it's 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 being of service to someone in mankind, perceive it, believe spirit or God, whatever you follow, has given it, and then conceive that into reality and be of service. That's all. My mom always says, make it happen. That's, <laughs> exactly. That's great. That's great. Way to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Well, thank you, Jock, Santa, for being been, our guest. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm, I'm delighted to, to be on your show. Oh, now we have uh, new friends and, with each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I should probably get you on Signs of Spirit and we'll talk about your book when we get through these lessons. Sure. I'd love to. I'd love Absolutely. to. Absolutely. I think you've got a lot, a lot of wisdom to share as well. And you've got a great story as well. And, and you, you'll hear more about Sandra, and uh, I'm sure, in the future. Oh, it's been you. awesome speaking to you, Sandra. I'm so glad that we touched base. And um, I hope this episode helps people or gives them a little bit of a different insight. Yeah, I know it will. And it has for me. And also to our listener, um, Jock has written three books. And I think you've got a new one on the way. I've got the links in this description. Yes, to I have a new one on the way. It's, it's kind of controversial. <laughs> we love controversy. 
It gets, <laughs> gets people to think it's all good. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. all good. Well, thank you for being our guest and to our listener. Thank you for spending, oh, just over an hour with uh Jacques Brockus and myself. And a few reminders, the home base for this radio show is WeDon'tDieRadio.com. You get all kinds of free goodies there. And also now we're up to 240-something episodes. So you can go back and find each and every one if you'd like. In September is the upcoming Afterlife Symposium. If you'd like to join me there or find out more, you can go to AfterlifeSymposium.org. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm always so delighted that I get to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. For me personally, I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that every one of our lives on earth right now is important. I love, love forgiveness and compassion. Perceive, believe, conceive. It's all good. You are at the perfect place in your journey. There's so much more. And what really resonates for me in this interview is how important being of service is. So I want to thank you for listening. And we'll see you soon.